Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a while since I've had a chance to record. This is Kevin, and you are listening to The Horus. Joining me, as always, is my handsome co-host, Walter. Walter, how you doing? Hey, Kevin, it's been a while since we've recorded. I've had a lot of time to reflect on things, and I know realize that you are just correct about Teen Wolf. It might be the most average movie of all time, and I bow before your cinematic opinions. I know the movie we are talking about was your pick, but I should get it out of the way. Up from that, this was an excellent pick from you. I am very lucky to have such a great co-host and editor to work with. First off, let's talk about the animation in this film. The animation style is stunning, with a hand-drawn, almost 2D style that gives it a unique feel compared to other animated films. The attention to detail in the characters and environments is impressive and adds to the overall experience of the film. The story of Soul Station is set in a dystopian future where the city is plagued by homelessness, poverty, and disease. The film follows the story of a father searching for his daughter in the city and the various characters he encounters along the way, including the homeless population, the authorities, and a group of survivors fighting against a mysterious epidemic. The film effectively portrays the social and political issues faced by the characters in the wider society, making it a powerful commentary on the state of the world. The social commentary in this film is poignant and relevant, particularly in today's world. The film takes a hard look at issues like poverty, homelessness, and the lack of government support for those in need. It shows how these issues can spiral out of control and lead to the breakdown of society. The film serves as a warning and a call to action, reminding us of the importance of addressing these issues before it's too late. In conclusion, Soul Station is a must-see film for anyone interested in animation, storytelling, and social commentary. With its stunning animation, powerful story, and relevant social commentary, it's a film that will stay with you long after the credits have rolled. And that's it for today's episode of The The Horrorists. Join us next week for another exciting review. Until then, keep the cinema alive. The big revel for the audience is that I'm not actually here. I am actually a recording from a machine learning system. I hope you enjoyed this little twist that Kevin had for you this week. Now we'll continue on to the actual review. So as you heard uh, Robo Walter say there, we are talking about the 2016 horror movie Soul Station. And I just want to extend a big shout out to Robo Walter for agreeing with me about all of my takes, saying that I'm a genius, etc. Um, no, seriously, though, it's kind of crazy how good that clip sounds. I, I think that if I had spent some more time and maybe found like a kind of cleaner sample of Walter, I could have generated something that sounded a little bit better, that picked up on his cadences and just his general speech pattern better than what it did. Um, that one is kind of monotone and uh, strange. So I don't know. Maybe I'll play around with it more. I got a free subscription for Elvin labs, which is the service that generated that clip and uh, played around with it for about two minutes before I kind of typed up a script and threw it in there. And actually the, the script that I use came from chat GPT. I've been having fun with these kind of machine learning system tools. Um, I think it's, interesting that they're out there. I don't think I'm someone that's going to become reliant on them for doing a lot of things, mainly because uh, Elvin Labs costs a lot of money if you want to have like the good voice clips on their service. And ChatGPT, I'm just, I'm really not that interested in it. Um, I mean, it's cool 
but the writing samples feel very mm, high schooler. Um, the way it kind of, it, it feels like it's padding word count out. It feels like it's saying a lot, but not saying anything. Um, so I just, I don't know how much I'm actually going to use it, but I've, I've kind of had fun just dicking around with it here and there. Anyways, Soul Station, 2016 animated movie. It's the prequel to Train to Busan, a horror movie that was very popular when it came out. Um, I'm kind of surprised at how how popular Train to Busan was and how I really haven't heard anything about Soul Station. Um, both of these movies are super political. I think that both of these movies handle their political subject very well and make you think about kind of the social commentary or social aspect of what's going on. Um, as Robo Walter described, Soul Station is set in a near dystopian future where city of soul is kind of overrun with homeless people um, and homeless people just aren't cared for. Nobody seems to give a shit about them. The, the movie kind of opens up with this character who is trying to find help for his hurt friend and nobody wants to help. The guards at the station don't want to help. The janitorial staff of the station don't want to help. He goes to a clinic to try to get help. And there are some other people there that I think they're just kind of low-level crooks um, that don't want to leave so that the homeless guy can get help. And it's something that feels very prescient to kind of how things are now. Um, I think we've talked about it on the show before, but I used to live in Seattle. And it's kind of shocking how fast you become numb to some of the realities of living in a city with a large homeless population that is struggling with substance abuse. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, when I first moved there, I like really noticed homeless people and I really noticed like if somebody looked like they were really struggling, you know, I'd hand them a few bucks. And after I worked, you know, in a hotel and kind of had to deal with homeless people coming in and stealing stuff out of our bathroom or shooting up and passing out in our bathroom or kind of terrorizing guests in front of the hotel, my empathy for them just hit kind of like an all time low. And I just stopped caring or noticing their kind of silent suffering. Um, the only time I would really notice homeless people is like if I was at a bus stop late at night and they're kind of edging closer and closer towards me. So it it, it is something that is, as much as people will say, oh, well, that's a shitty thing to say. That's a bad opinion. You're a bad person. I do challenge you to live in a city where you're kind of in constant contact with these types of folks. And for you to really retain like a high level of sympathy um, for them and to not just kind of treat them as, I guess, background objects is maybe a nice way to say it. I, I don't know. It's just now that I live in a smaller town and I don't see them that often, um, it is shocking when I do see them in bigger cities. I do feel bad. I do wish that those cities were doing more to provide for those folks. Um and it is just sad. It's a sad situation. And, and, and I think this movie really highlights that with the struggle that um, the character goes through to just try to get his friend help, try to get his friend some treatment. You know, he's bleeding out of his neck. The whole world seems indifferent to this homeless man's life. And it's just sad. Uh, another thing that the movie captures really well is that a lot of these folks are trying to do the right thing when they're put into hard situations. But they also kind of can't resist um, their vices. The one character seems like he's addicted to some sort of energy drink. 
And when it comes down to him buying medicine for his friend, uh, buying a full pack of medicine or just a couple pills and an energy drink, he chooses to buy just a couple pills and the energy drink. So it, it, it is something where I think the movie really does capture that aspect of it um, very well. Another set of characters that we get introduced to um, after the kind of opening scenes are the main characters, uh, Hya Sun and Sakyu and Ki Wong. I know I butchered those names. I am sorry. <laughs> I don't speak Korean at all. So I'm just going to refer to these um, as the actor's first name. So Hyasun is um, the actor's name is Shim. Uh, Sakyu is Ryu. And Kim Wong is uh, voice acted by someone with the name Lee. So we get introduced to these characters. And right away, you do feel sympathy for these kids. You know, there's some some young kids trying to make it in an indifferent and cruel world. It seems like jobs are hard to come by. Um, as the characters Shim or the characters voice acted by Shim and Ryu are young, they appear to be hardworking. They appear to be kind of dedicated people, but they don't have a job. Um, they're just kind of squatting in this pay by the week apartment. Um, it's, you know, Ryu is trying to pimp his girlfriend out to make some money to make some ends meet. And then you find out that Shim uh, used to be a, um, you know, she used to work in a brothel and she used to kind of be forced into that work to make ends meet, to pay off her father's gambling debts. And you find out about the father's gambling debts later on in the movie. Um, you don't find out about those right away, but it is something that's it's hard to see these young people placed into this decision point where it's like, you know, the girl has to accept being prostituted out. The boyfriend can't do anything to kind of avoid the situation. Maybe he doesn't want to do anything. It's kind of hard to tell at this point in the film, really. And then you have this zombie apocalypse start to happen. And there are some cool moments with uh, Ki Wong, the character who kind of reveals himself to be a pimp later on in the film. Um, the, he's voice acted by Lee. Um, where you have Lee and Ryu teaming up to try to make it through the city and try to rescue Shim from getting killed. And I think the movie is tense at all the points it needs to be tense. There's some really great scenes where you see other folks just trying to survive in the city. You see people have to go through the shock of killing what they think is a person that's just kind of gone crazy. And I think the movie also really does a good job of capturing how the first couple times you'll kill a zombie is like really traumatic. And then after that, it starts to wear on you a little bit less and less. And and you see that with Lee, the way Lee reacts the first time he has to kind of beat someone to death. Anyways, moving on in the film, um, a scene that I thought was pretty hard to watch is when they are going to the hospital and uh Shim and Ryu are freaking out in the uh, car and they're arguing with him about not going to the hospital um, because they know that the hospital is going to be a disaster with how many bite victims are there. And it's like, it's hard to watch because you want them to get treated. You want them to get help, but then the, you know, it's going to be a disaster when they get there. You know, there's a lot of people at the hospital who like 
didn't deserve any of this to happen to them. And it just really kind of it, it captures the panic of a infection movie and just the hopelessness of letting people know about the spread or, or getting somewhere where there is no spread going on. And then the other scene that really stuck out to me as uh, pretty cool was the end of the movie when they're in the model apartment building and the three characters are kind of united for the first time. And um, the character voice acted by Shim thinks that she is meeting her dad and Ryu is excited and Ryu is telling her, oh, you know, your dad's here, your dad's here. And, and, and she's excited for this reunion only for the character voice acted by Lee to come in and it's revealed that it is not her dad. It's her former pimp. And you see Ryu go from like this kind of meek, nerdy, weak guy to trying to defend his girlfriend from this person that's like, you know, a monster, someone who's like really caused demonstrable suffering to his partner. And it's sad when he gets killed, but at the same time, it is cool that he stepped up in the end and he really tried to help her out. Um, the chase scene that happens after that between uh, Shim and Lee is super tense. The little cat and mouse game they're playing, hide and seek, where she is going from like different model apartments to different model apartments while he's trying to find her. And then the end scene is just awesome. The way the movie kind of caps itself out. I really love that you know, she's been bitten. You, you saw her get bit kind of early on or not bitten, but scratched by a zombie earlier in the film. You know, it's kind of only a matter of time before the infection takes over for her. And then she dies right as the character voice acted by Lee is about to rape her. He's freaking out. He notices the scratch on her foot and then she reanimates and kills him. And it's like kind of cool that she gets her revenge in the end. Um, it is heartbreaking that she dies, but at least, you know, she's kind of free of suffering at that point because she's dead. She gets her revenge on the man who turned her life into like hell for, you know, some unknown amount of time. And she's no longer separated um, from her partner who really cared about her and who died trying to defend her. Overall, I think this movie is pretty good. Um, I don't remember what I gave it on Letterboxd when I watched it. And that's just kind of like where, where my film review scores live. But I do remember thinking that like the ending of the movie was really cool. Um, I thought that the movie did a really good job kind of hiding its plot twist about who the character voice acted by Lee, who the pimp was until the end of the movie. It, it's not really telegraphed very much or at all in the earlier parts. And I think the only things that I didn't like is the animation was very low budget. Um, supposedly this is hand-drawn animation. I don't actually know. I, I didn't look into it at all, but the animation felt very low budget and maybe I'm spoiled because I've watched so much anime um, and I just have a, a strong affinity for spawning animation. Um, bad animation really just pulls me out of something if I'm watching it. And another thing this movie missed the mark on, just like Wendell and Wilde, the backgrounds didn't feel very lived in. The backgrounds felt really cheap, and it's something that it's always a point of contention in animated film, how much money and time should be spent making the backgrounds feel real. 
and fleshed out versus like the background being a set piece. And I think just like with actual film, um, with real life actors, the set is a crucial part. I mean, it, it's a character in a film. I know that's not like a new take to have, but the set is a, a really crucial thing to have. And the background scenes for this movie, so many of them just felt like they were just barely drawn out. You know, they kind of drew out the minimum amount needed so that you could understand what was happening. And that was it. Um, I looked at my letterbox score while I was kind of monologuing there. I gave this movie a two and a half and the real big detractions were just the animation quality being fairly low and the backgrounds. I think that if the movie had smoother, more fluid animation, I easily would have rated this like three and a half. If it had backgrounds that were better as well, I, I think that really would have helped push the score up. But if you're someone like me who enjoys zombie movies, then I think this is a movie that was a great watch. Um, I appreciate the twist on it where it's a little bit more of a social commentary about how we treat the homelessness. And there's the big plot twist at the end. I, I enjoy that none of the characters survive. Something which is very common in Asian horror films is that kind of none of the good the good guys win and evil triumphs in Asian horror. So I thought that was pretty cool. And this movie also uh, just does a good job tying into Train to Busan. I haven't seen the third movie, Peninsula. Um, I have it downloaded. I just haven't had a chance to watch it. So I am excited to watch that. And if you haven't seen Train to Busan, I'd highly recommend that one. Um, maybe when Walter comes back, we will review that one. I don't really know. Um, and I guess that brings me on to the pod news section. I've been leaving Walter alone just because he has a new kid. It's kind of a busy time. Uh, he has enough stress going on in his life managing two kids now. So I've been leaving him alone. I have some um, stuff planned with some guest hosts. Um, I'm going to have my friend Lexi on. She is the host of Cool Normal Girl podcast. One of my favorite podcasts. It's about like kind of a niche internet community that Lexi and I are a part of, but it also just is like, you know, her telling stories about her life. Very fun pod. Um, she's going to be on. We're going to talk about Pearl and X. I know that Walter and I kind of briefly glossed over Pearl um, once in the past, but this is going to be like a full, more in-depth conversation with Lexi about Pearl and X. So if you're interested in the next episodes, make sure you watch Pearl and X before we cover those. Other than that, my friend Woodruff would like to come on to talk about, I believe, the movie Nosferatu. So that's going to be another movie we cover. And I'm going to try to get Skylar back on. I don't know what he would be interested in talking about, but before I get him on, I'll let you folks know what Skylar and I are going to talk about. And yeah, other than that, thanks for listening. Sorry about the long wait and publication gaps. I was kind of waiting to see if Walter would have some time. I know that newborns can be kind of hit or miss. Um, some are easy. Some are very chill and you don't have much to do aside from feed them every couple hours and letting them nap. Some newborns are a little higher maintenance, um, but I'm glad that Walter seems to be having a you know good time with his new kid. I know Walter really loves his other kid, so it's just cool, cool for me to see. And, you know, in high school, if you would have told me that Walter would be the friend I have that's like 
just popping out kids left and right, I would have never believed you. So I do, I do think it is kind of weird the paths that life takes us. And um, yeah, just congratulations to Walter and his wife on their new addition to the family. Other than that, I don't have much else to say. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at the Horrorous. And um, yeah, tune in next week for an episode with um, co-host or special guest host Lexi, where we are going to be cover Pearl and X. Until then. Oh, we don't actually have a closer for this. Um, Until then, have a good week. Thank you for listening. And keep watching film.